You're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Our aim is to provide listeners tools for a conversation on how religion is changing and being affected by society. I'm your co-host, Troy Shepard. I'm an app developer and a business entrepreneur and a researcher on cultural trends related to religion and community. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Heidi Campbell, a professor of communication at Texas A&M University, where I study the intersection of religion, media, and digital technology. Welcome, and let's dive into today's conversation. We want to welcome our listeners. I'm Troy Shepard, and I'm the co-host of Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. And today we have the special privilege of talking to a good friend of mine, Mark Jordan, who is a former master sergeant in the U.S. Army. He's uh, attended Liberty University and Dallas Theological Seminary. He also works as a congregational care pastor at Restore Austin, uh, the church. Now, Mark has been instrumental in challenging racial injustice through an organization that he created called Imagine Diversity. Now, Imagine Diversity has been, I would say, influential in standing up against racial prejudice by being a voice for those who are uh, people of color as well as providing resources for anyone who wishes to better understand what diversity could look like. So thank you for being with us today, Mark. Now, Mark, you've been on this podcast before, and our, our previous conversation revolved around how racism and the church intersected. And today I'd like to actually continue that conversation from, I think it was almost two years ago that we talked, um, and to see uh, what kind of progress that you've encountered. Uh, So when you look back over the last two years, uh, in what ways has the church's response to racism either improved or maybe stayed the same from what you've seen? So when I think about this question, I think about the numbers. And so in 2020, when race was asked about, is this a problem? Is race a problem? The church at large, 43% said it's not a problem. As far as the white Christians, 33% said it was a problem. 81% Blacks stated that it's a problem. And 55% Hispanics said it's a problem. And so when you when I look at that question, I look at it in the church congregation. So you have blacks, whites, Hispanics sitting in the congregation and 33 percent are saying it's not a problem. And 81 percent is saying, well, it is a problem. And 55 percent. So to me, that really hurts the worship experience when people leave the church are and are feeling something different through the culture or through experiences or things like that. And so uh, I think it's very important for us to figure out, okay, what is it that my brother is going through that I need to know about? Can you give us maybe an encouraging example of uh, active responses that either your church or or other churches you've seen have given to confronting this issue of racism? The one point that I really like, I'm, I'm very, very encouraged about, 
is at Restore Austin, we are a church. We want to provide an inclusive environment. Uh, it is our role and is our responsibility as the church to be that beacon of light. And so one of the things that we did um, we started a hiring committee for a campus pastor at the University of Texas. And during that time, there are a lot of candidates and our pastor decided to hire at the University of Texas campus to hire an African-American pastor. And to amp that up a little bit more, he hired an African-American female pastor. And so in doing that, it was very evident that Funding would be lost, numbers would be affected, and that did not sway the leadership of Restore Austin. And Ivor, Rob, she's there. She's a, the campus pastor at University of Texas. And it's little small changes like that that I think can make a difference when we look at the big scheme of things. Yeah, so that, that leads right into the next question. This idea that you've come up with about uh, this organization, Imagine Diversity. Can you explain a little bit about what that is, especially in what you just said, and kind of where this idea came from? All right. So I'm going to have to be 100% honest with you about where the um, idea for Imagine Diversity came from. And in all actuality, it came from President Kennedy's speech about sending a man to the moon. Wow. And if you go back and you listen to that speech, President Kennedy crafted some words to create this vision of putting a man on the moon. And I listened to that and I, and I, and I thought about it through the context or the lens of diversity. And as we say in Imagine Diversity, my paragraph that I wrote is, imagine the place where people are free to be themselves, a place where people are loved not for what they can do, but who they are. A place where unity is more than a buzzword, it's a way of life. A place where differences are not dividers, but multipliers. Imagine and then imagine again. Does a place like this exist? Is it even possible to achieve? Imagine what a place like this would be like and what it would feel like. Imagine going beyond your imagination and making this a reality. Imagine diversity. And so diversity is the tool to help get us there. So in other words, if President Kenny was talking about imagine diversity, he would say diversity is what would take us to the moon. So speaking of the moon and, you know, kind of uh, having that crazy idea of, you know, a place that we can go that we've never been to before. What does it mean to you when you say, you know, the words dare to dream in relation to this imagined diversity? Well, dare to dream disarms the pessimist that says diversity isn't necessary. It disarms the idea that we can never achieve it. It helps facilitate and fuel conversation to say, you know what, diversity can make a difference. And, and I, you know, I've been working with or thinking about this also um, in the 17th chapter of John, Jesus prayed, he prayed that we be united as one. He prayed that we have a, a sense of unity. And as I thought about that, 
I began to say, you know, if if Jesus ever worried, I mean, you didn't see him worry about a lot, but if he was to ever just say, hey, what is the one thing, Jesus, before you leave this earth, what is the one thing that you're concerned about? I think it's the, I think it's in the 17th chapter of John where he prayed that we will be united. And I think that is part of the Father's heart that his church can be united. And if I was to just pin that, that what is the one thing that that keeps Jesus up at night? It is the disunity that his believers, that his followers fall prey to. But it is also hopeful for him because he prayed that we will all be united. Unity is definitely important. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So is Imagine Diversity just like mostly about, say, racism, slavery, that sort of topic? Or is there maybe a deeper ideology that you would like to see grow from this effort? Yeah. And so here's the thing. When we talk about diversity, most of the time people believe you're talking about issues of Blacks and whites and Hispanics and Asians. That is not it. Diversity is about harnessing the power of difference and bringing those differences together to create the end goal or the end product, whatever that might be, whatever that may look like. Diversity helps us to achieve that goal. So it's not just about slavery. It's not just about racism, but it is about having the understanding that we truly are better together. And with the, uh, you know, the conversation we were talking about earlier with kind of what you've seen with the church, you know, especially over the last couple of years, uh, even even pre-COVID, but say within this last, you know, the last part of the last decade, do you have hope that the church can can make a change, at least in culture, in the area of race and diversity? I, I do have hope. Martin Luther King said, that which we don't understand, we criticize. And a lot of times, I think some people, they really just don't know what to do. Let me give you some more numbers. The Barna Group, and the numbers that I talked about earlier were from the Barna Group. So the Barna Group, they asked the question, how motivated are you to address racial injustice? 16% of those addressed said they're very motivated. 17% said motivated. 27% said they were somewhat motivated. 12% said they were unmotivated. 18% were not motivated at all. And 9% were unsure. So when I looked at that number, I said, okay, we got 27% that are somewhat motivated to address racial injustice. What that indicates to me, you got a group of people that really don't know how to address this thing. And so in understanding that, then what can happen is we add fuel to it. We add momentum when we just make these small incremental steps to injustice or helping our brothers and our sisters. Yeah, those are some pretty interesting statistics. You know, you've been part of this Imagine Diversity discourse for, I don't know, a number of years or so as you've been uh, starting to get this thing to a area where you can, you know, launch it and really, really have some impact. Um, and I did a little bit of research in, you know, just trying to understand kind of what the, what the goals and motivations was behind this. 
And you mentioned that Imagine Diversity is this place where differences are not dividers, but they're multipliers. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by multipliers? And can you share maybe a, a story or something that kind of models this idea of multipliers? Yes. Um, okay, so in the military, when we talk about combat multiplier, we're talking about essential elements that a team or a unit or organization can use on the battlefield to win a war. And so what are some combat multipliers? We're, well, we're talking about training. We're talking about um, their equipment. We're talking about um, being deployable, making sure your family is correct, making sure you have um, went through the proper steps um, to have dental hygiene. We also talk about all of these factors help a soldier or help a unit to be deployable ready. And so a combat multiplier is looking at the skill sets of each member of that team and then magnifying those skill sets for the betterment of the organization. And typically the army, we are set to win wars or to go to war. That's, I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, we train to fight and we fight to win. So when you look at that perspective, what is it that we can add or enhance our combat readiness on the battlefield? And so, you know, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the code talkers and you can, you can look that up. And so, you know, at one time during the war, it was very evident that the military, the army could not decipher what these messages were that were being sent across the lines. And so they used the Navajo nation to interpret what these codes meant. And that that gave them the term code talkers. So when you look at our ability, what we bring to the table, how can we create this idea of being combat ready, then we add to value of each organization. And I think that's what the church needs to do. And that is looking at what can we do to be a combat multiplier in this fight against injustice or racial inequities. Yeah, that's really good. What would be one thing uh, that you would like people to leave with understanding in regards to this conversation that we're having today or about uh, Imagine Diversity, just kind of wrapping up or summing up something that, you know, that would be tangible that people can walk away with saying, that's what I'm going to do, or that's that's where I want to go, or, or that's what I need to remember. The one thing is we all have inherent value by our creator. You look at our constitution, you look at the words that are being talked about and you look at how every man is created equal that that has to come out of somewhere mm-hmm. and i think i think that's where the imago day is we are all god each and every person the person that you see at the grocery store the person that you see when you pick up your clothes they are created in God's image. We are all image bearers. And so the one thing that I would like for people to, to see is see the Imago Day in each person 
And that creates value when we talk to them, when we encourage them, or when we encounter each one of these people. And let me give you an example. The other day, one of my neighbors said something to me, and I I just, you know, I, everybody can say, think what they want. But I typically give my garbage man um, a Christmas present every year. And when I'm, if I'm home, when they pick up the garbage, I'm always standing out there with water or a snack or something like that. And I give that to the garbage men that come and pick up the garbage. As a result, what they do is they often roll my garbage from the curb to the front of the house. And so I had a conversation with the garbage man the other day and uh, I told him I needed a new garbage because mine was cracked. And so I pulled it out and I was showing him, but my neighbor didn't know what the conversation was that I was having with the garbage man. And so he said, Hey, Mark, I think you missed your calling. And I said, what is that? He said, well, you handle the garbage pretty well. I see you out here helping him and all this. But when you really look at it, my calling is to recognize the Imago day in that garbage man. That's why he gets out of his truck every week and roll my garbage to the front. I don't give him snacks and water because I want him to roll my garbage. I do it because I see the inherent value in him. And that is what we are called to do is to see that Imago day in each and every person that we encounter, regardless of their plight in life. Now you also, uh, you also have a podcast that you run. Is that, is that right? That is. Um, so we haven't went live yet. Uh, we're working on that. Uh, it is called Unmuted with Mark Jordan. That was birthed out of right at the beginning of COVID. People would get on these Zoom calls. We had a, a hard a learn lesson from Zoom and all these video chats. And people would often be talking, but they would be muted. And so when we start talking about race and those topics that some people just don't feel comfortable talking about it, we want to unmute you and have these deep conversations or this is regular conversations about um, these inequities and race and things like that. And so we call it the unmuted with Mark Jordan and that is coming soon. Well, yeah, definitely let us know when that, when that goes live, we will, we'll be posting that in the description here so that people can find that information. Cause I know those conversations will definitely be worth listening to. So well, thank you again, Mark, for joining in this conversation today. And um, for those who want to check out any information regarding the Imagine Diversity, we're actually going to put an email link in the description today so that you can uh, get access to that. And then, uh, yeah, once that podcast goes live, let us know and we'll, we'll be rooting for you on that one as well. So appreciate your time today, Mark. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of future podcasts. And be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platform or share it with your friends. We hope you're leaving today with a better understanding about religion and conversational tools to talk about it. We look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. So until then, take, take care. care.